Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome into the latest episode of the Five Reasons Podcast. I'm Ethan Skolnick here as always with Chris Whittingham. Today we come to you from Hard Rock Stadium, the field is cleared out. The locker room is cleared out. We have found a studio. Uh, I will get to what's going on in the studio next to us in a second. Uh, <laughs> but I uh, want to just, now that you're here with us, let you know that you can subscribe to our podcast. You get all of our old episodes as well as all of our new episodes as soon as they post on any of our 12 or more podcast apps. Also, check out the other 14 podcasts in our network. I'm sure the three yards per carry will be a particularly good listen this week, as will Miami Heat beat with the Heat playing well and the Dolphins basically, well, not basically, eliminated from the playoffs. So we're going to comment on that here. Also, check out the new podcasts in our network, Chamber Podcast and Out for the Count. We've got a full-fledged website that's going to be coming in the next month or so, it's going to be easier to find all of the pods in our network as well as breaking news, aggregated content, columns, videos, merchandise, and more. But if you hear some noise in the background, there are a couple things going on. First, there's still some music being played here in the stadium. Last game that we'll see in the stadium for the Dolphins this season. Also, though, as we walked into this studio that we're doing the podcast, there are some guys next to us. Uh, I thought they were talking about the Dolphins. <laughs> they were talk. They were talking about toxic relationships. Yes. One, one guy is counseling like, someone else to was, stay away from something. Yeah, it was like, and it, it, it's just such heartbreak and devastation and all these things that are bad. It's just, man. And it was, and, and Ethan thought it was about the Dolphins. Like, yeah, well, those are kind of synonyms at this point. Yeah, they were talking about women, but basically, we uh, we equated the two. So I, I think, uh, basically, the relationship that Dolphin fans have. Uh, with their team is similar to the relationship that a lot of people have with their significant others or the opposite sex or maybe the same sex or whatever. We don't discriminate here on the podcast. But what we want to get into today is the end and an end that we kind of saw coming a while ago. Sure. Um, I was debating whether to turn this into 30 minutes of told you so's. But <laughs> you probably and, 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 and you want to do 30 minutes of told you so. <laughs> and I want to, but I don't know that I would subject you to that. Um, all I'll say is that point differential does not lie. 
And what you've seen from the Adam Gase Dolphins is they're not good. They're not good. And we've talked about that this year. We tried to pump up hope with some close wins, particularly close wins, obviously, at home since they only have one road win. And so we tried to make this seem better than maybe it was. But it wasn't. Um, It wasn't. And when you are fourth from worst in the league in point differential, that's what you are. That's what you are. And if you look at the point differential last season and you look at it the season before – This has just not been a good team. And for everybody who's gone out there and said, well, but the injuries. Okay, the injuries, I'll give you some of that. But those who were saying, well, if you had just pulled out the game in Indy and you pulled out the game in Cincinnati, you know, you'd be 9-5 and right now. Okay, if Charles Clay hadn't fastened himself to that end zone we're looking at right there, if you didn't have one of the craziest plays in NFL history against the Patriots, and if Cody Parkey, your former kicker, who was nearly perfect when he was with you, makes a kick for the Bears in this stadium, if those three things don't happen in the stadium, you're 4-10. and Yeah. You're 4-10. and Your point differential and all the other metrics that you have – based on what the way football reference uh, figures it out, had you at 5-9. and nine. So I had people saying, well, that just proves Adam Gase is a really good coach because he's gotten more. No, Adam Gase has been lucky. He's been lucky, okay? Because the point differential, the yard differential, which is even worse than the point differential, are an indication of the football team that you're coaching. And I thought a couple of things today were really symbolic, okay? There's that one shot that was caught on TV where your defense is basically backed up against your own end zone and the Jaguars are about to go in, and they cut to Adam Gase, and he's not watching the game. He's designing a play sitting on a bench. He, he's, he said he wasn't designing a play. He said he was getting the next sequence, the, the next series ready, and getting it communicated to everyone what he was going to do on that next possession and what he had seen. Okay, and what did I say from the very beginning of this season? He needs to give up play calling. Yeah. He needs to coach the entire football team. Yeah. I agree. He has an inexperienced, and we can say it now, fairly incompetent defensive coordinator. At best, out of his depth. <laughs> okay, right. Okay. That whether or not it was his decision or Steve Ross's decision to go with someone with that level of experience, the reality is that's what he has. He knows that's what he has. And the optics of him yep. ignoring what's going on on the defense to design the next series of plays. This is why I said very early in the season, this is why, by the way, the three yards per carry guys who have been all over me for a variety of things, I'm not even sure what anymore, they even agreed with this. Because Simon Clancy asked Adam Gase about play calling last year, and Gase snapped at him when Simon suggested maybe that he give it up. We've, we talked about the same thing from this very same booth yeah. 10 weeks ago mm-hmm. where I was talking about the difficulties that Cam Cameron had trying to coach the team while he was doing play calling. It is clear that all Adam Gase wants to do with his team is call plays. That's it. Yeah. He doesn't he's, want to do the rest he's, of it. He's an offensive coordinator with the job title of head coach. And, right. and the evidence of his offensive coordinating is a team that's in the bottom five of the NFL and, again, today goes under 200 yards. I know that's that, that, and it's the fifth time this year and third time in four games that they've gone under 200 yards. It's been pathetic the last month from, from, from an offensive point of view. And uh, we talked about last week how there was a three-possession uh, three stretch in which it was a one-point game against Minnesota in which they weren't able to move the ball. As a matter of fact, they had negative yards on those series, and I, I think, you, again, you look at today, and it's the same thing where mm-hmm. you get the opening drive, which we talked about a bunch as, as, as a black mark against Well, they figured that out. They figured that out. They figured that out, figured that out. Uh, so, five so, in the last six right. weeks. So uh, should we move on to second, third, and fourth drives? Because it's just been it, – uh, they've started really well, but they've got nothing after that. And today, you go on a 75-yard drive to open the game and still finish under 200 yards. 
Like it's it's calamitous, and and I have I have the full play chart. I, I'll, I'll pull it up here and kind of read it out because a- after they score on that opening drive, it's horrendous. It's uh okay, so here it is: three plays punt, three plays punt, four plays missed field goal. That was after a turnover in which you got the ball inside of Jacksonville territory and managed to do nothing with it, including missing a field goal. Then six plays punt, three plays fumble, five plays punt, three plays punt, three plays pick six, six plays punt, end of the game. That, that's that's everything you did after you scored on the opening drive, had a bunch of ideas or moving guys around, different running backs, getting Kalen Balaj the ball in oh, space. that was a nice drive. Right, it was that great. Was nice it, was perfectly ex- it was perfectly orchestrated. But after that, you produced, what, 110 yards of offense? It's appalling. And I, I, I want to start with the quarterback because I think the quarterback, again, did nothing. Made no throws. I mean, what, what was their their longest completion was to Balage, mm-hmm. and and that actually is the thing that sparked our uh, three yards per carry booth because I, I don't care that he threw the ball into the flat to Kalen Balage and Kalen Balage did something with it. Like that's not Ryan Tannehill's doing. And then had a nice throw on that drive to Amendola. After that, longest completion was 14 yards. Right. Like a, everything was short, and and again and again. And to me, this is the thing. If we're going to figure out like. You mentioned how the record doesn't reflect Adam Gase's performance. I do think it does in this respect. Adam Gase's entire tenure is built upon have fewer turnovers than the other team mm-hmm. and and try and create some on defense, which they've done and did again today, and uh, try and uh, – I mean, although Cody Kessler having the ball slip through his hands is not yeah, really you I generating that's turnovers. Not that's a more turnover. falling on a football that <laughs> right. fell out for no reason. Um, but it, it's about having fewer turnovers than the other team. And, again – they were in the game in the fourth quarter because they didn't turn the ball over. They were a calamity, but they were in the game when they didn't turn the ball over, and the game broke when he when they did turn the ball over. That's the entire philosophy, and, and frankly, it's not a terribly bad one. Because no, it is. I'm going to no, stop. No, you. no, no, no. It no, is a terribly because, bad philosophy no, because no. it was the Wanstat philosophy, and all I heard about during the Wanstat years was. Get this conservative idiot out of the coaching correct, box. Correct. Correct. But now he doesn't. Adam Gase didn't say, you know, a punt is okay. But I think what he's coached is uh, not turning the ball over is okay. And I, I, Channing Crowder all the time parrots the Tony Sperano philosophy, which was if every drive ends in a kick, it was a, it was a successful drive, whether it was an extra point, a field goal, or a punt, as long as we're not giving the ball to the other team. I agree with you. It's way too conservative, but it's how the Dolphins have won games. When the Dolphins have won games, it's when they're getting interceptions, it's when they're scoring touchdowns on defense, and when Ryan Tannehill doesn't turn the ball over. Ryan Tannehill's quarterback rating is really high. We got into a huge argument about this today. Ryan Tannehill's quarterback rating is high again today, even before the pick six. It was in the 100s when he did nothing for three quarters. Again, it was in the 100s. Why? Because he doesn't throw interceptions. And and, And that's the bedrock philosophy of this team and when we're trying to figure out why do they outperform expectations because they don't turn the ball over and okay your job is to win games and that's how you've won games but in the end you're sitting around going did anyone make a play today did anyone make a play today other than Kalen Balaj in the opening drive, uh, nobody on, made a play on today. On offense, no. The defensive right. line made De- plays defense today. Defense is brilliant. Uh, defense, but, you, but, you, I mean, they forced him into a fourth and 46. Right. Uh, the, the offense, nobody – well, let, let's look at the throws to receivers, okay? Yeah. Let's. How many targets to receivers today? Okay, to so it was uh, three targets for 40 yards on three catches for Amendola. Uh, three targets, two catches, 13 yards for Parker. Two targets, one catch, five yards for Kenny Stills. I That's mean, that, that last one is just uh, – what, yeah. is, what, is, what has he done with Kenny Stills this season? No, nothing. Well, so, so in total, that is six catches for 58 yards. Two for, 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 wide, receivers. To, to wide receivers today. 
I mean, this is this is a joke. Yeah. This, th- th- that, that's that's a quarter and a half of offense. That's that's not four quarters. And like we said, five games now that they went under two hundred yards. And so I don't want to dwell too much on today, other than that mm-hmm. third and four call. I I don't know what that was. Okay, the uh, what was that? That trick play that they're you're down ten at midfield and you're calling a trick. You don't have anything you can go to that's a basic play. On Clearly, no. Clearly, no. How are we at that stage? I don't want to focus too much on today. I really don't. We, we have to look forward mm-hmm. at this point. Okay, what's done is done. What I've been saying about Adam Gase all year, I think, is borne out. Right? It's it's just – it's maybe he's a great offensive mind. He's not a great offensive mind while he also has to coach the rest of the team. Okay? Mm-hmm. He'll be a great offensive coordinator somewhere else, possibly, if he has a really good quarterback. I'm not ruling yeah. that out. But him coaching the entire team – and doing that, none of it's working. And it hasn't worked the entire season, and he's been a bad football coach this year. I don't care and you could even argue he's, about the I injuries. mean, even when they made the playoffs, you could argue that, obviously, they were winning games, but his offenses were bottom third in the league then. Like, right. it, it does bring the whole but thing it, into question, which is what you've been saying all along. And, look, I, I haven't been with you the whole way, and I think you've been harsh in varying points, but... I mean, the way that this season has ended the last two weeks is a perfect reflection of everything that's happened, and it, it finally reflecting in the results, right? Because mm-hmm. it didn't it didn't reflect in the results, and we're sitting around here throwing our hands up going, what the hell's going on? I think the entire league was asking that question. People looking at the Dolphins being in the playoff race saying, how? And the answer is they don't turn the ball over, but um, again, today, offensively, you can't move the ball, and if you're going under 200 yards, and I mean, Adam Gase, uh, today, he, t- today his answer when, uh, you know, put to him that he had three... Uh, three games out of four with under 200 yards and saying we're just getting physically beaten up. And whatever it is, whether it's scheme, whether it's quarterback, whether it's offensive line, it's not enough from this offense. And I think Adam Gase now, uh, if you're talking about moving forward, his job is in question, and every, well, every, every, that, everyone's job is in question that, That's now. what this rest of this podcast is going to be about, right, right when I get past this. Remember I had mentioned to you the Dolphins were in danger of falling from 29th down to 31st in offense yeah. over the last well, two weeks? Well, the Jets played really well today. The, the, Jets, the Jets lost an overtime game to the Packers, but they also put up, I think, 400 total yards. Okay, yeah. so that's and 200 scored, more than the Dolphins. 38 points. So they're going to pass them. Now, B- Buffalo, not so much. Uh, as, <laughs> as we speak here, Buffalo's down. Oh, they lost 24 to 12. Yeah. Uh, but, but Josh Allen did put up 217. They rushed for 72. They so they out- 289 yards. Of okay, so they outgained the Dolphins by 100 today. So it's very possible that by the end of next week, if the Dolphins get outgained by the Bills up there, mm-hmm. they'll be 31st in the league in offense. Here's what I would do if I were Steve Ross, and I, I think we need to pivot here because there's not much. Uh, how do we waste time on this game? Adam Gase came out. We never got a chance to talk about it. Adam Gase's ridiculous comment about losing games on the road yeah. Okay, because they'd faced a bunch of hot teams. When, by the way, the teams that they faced, yeah, some of them were hotter at the time, like the yeah. Bengals and Colts and, and a couple others, but the teams that they faced had a 500 record other than the Dolphins, Okay, mm-hmm. other than the games against the Dolphins. Yeah. So, so that was ridiculous. Was Gase going to say that the Jaguars were hot? Have the Jaguars no. been hot? No. Okay. Was the Jaguars and, hot? And, and, and at the very least, if you're hanging on to the fact that uh, that the Dolphins are good at home, like this is calamitous. This is a, a horrendous performance. Like I thought the Dolphins would win the game based strictly off the location of where the game was being played and to not uh, summon any kind of performance when you go into the day – not mathematically ruled out. Yeah, you need right. the Bills to win in New England and all these, and if not, then five different results to go your way. But, I mean, it, it's just it, – it's it's absolutely absurd that – obviously, they finished the year 6-2, and two, which in theory isn't a bad home record, but it's ridiculous that when the, – the whole idea of the season is home road split and you can't even beat the Jags at home. It's 
It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Today's edition of the Five Reasons Sports Podcast is brought to you by AutoNation. Since AutoNation is America's largest automotive retailer, chances are they have the vehicle you're looking for. Shop from over 100,000 new cars, trucks, vans, and sport utilities. From the luxury of Mercedes-Benz to that Chevy pickup you've always wanted, they've got it. AutoNation helps finance over 430,000 people every year, and you could be next. Get a great rate today. AutoNation strives to make the car buying process quick and easy, but most of all, stress-free. In addition to an extensive selection, all pre-owned vehicles go through a rigorous 125-point inspection and come with an everyday no-haggle price. One price, no pressure, guaranteed. Start your search right now at AutoNation. Com. We'll get back to our episode here in a second, but first I want to tell you about a great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. Just took care of a friend of mine today, and that is Brunt Insurance, where you can find all of your protection under one roof. They offer home, auto, commercial, and life insurance, and they're licensed to write insurance for the entire state of Florida. That's Pensacola all the way down to the Keys. They've got multiple carriers for all the product lines to ensure you're paying the lowest rate in your particular area. Also, they are proud sponsors of the Homes for Heroes program, which offers special discounts for first responders, teachers, military, and healthcare professionals. So make sure that you call Greg at 954-589-2204 to reach Brunt Insurance or go to bruntinsurance.com. He's going to blame it on the fact that it wasn't warm enough today, possibly. Maybe that's what they'll go with. All right, let's 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 get to what really sure. matters now. Um, mm-hmm. Steve Ross was in a box today with Mike Tannenbaum and Dan Marino. I yep. always wonder... What might have been if Marino, and I was there in 2004 in Mobile, Mobile, if it hadn't been raining the day that he was watching <laughs> offensive linemen and quarterbacks out on, <laughs> I, what is it called, Lad Stadium in Mobile, um, bored off his ass. Okay, yeah. uh, There's a great story with Marino, actually. After he was named uh, football you know, president of, of whatever it was. president. Of, they didn't even know. I think they didn't know. May rest in peace. Didn't know what the job was. But president of football operations, and they moved Rick Spielman, who they probably should have kept around, as it turned out. They moved Rick Spielman to you know above uh, Dave Wanstat. That was the new power structure. And so Dan was up there, and he's watching offensive linemen in Mobile, and he's bored off his ass, and it's raining, and it's a cold metal bench. And then he asked later how he gets to the airport, um, you know, who, who was getting him a car service to, and, and to get to the airport. And Spielman or someone in Spielman's staff had to say, we're on a football operations budget. We all hop in a cab. Uh, that that was basically <laughs> the end of it. Dad quit about a week later. But I, but I always I always wonder, you know, what would have been the case if Dan had stayed. I will say, to though, be the, the head of the organization. The one thing about being around this team a little bit in the last few years is you do see Marino at everything. Mm-hmm. I, I do wonder if he spent the last three and four years embedding himself in the organization. He's at practice every day. He's doing the air quotes boring stuff. I wonder if now that his television career is over mm-hmm. and now that maybe he's in a different stage of his life, if he does want to take it on. I know this has been uh, Brendan Tobin's corner for a while is mm-hmm. letting Marino run the thing, but he's in the box with Ross. He's had all the events. He's, he's presumably developed an opinion on how all this should run, and... I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities that Marino gets it. What, what, how would you feel about Marino and a group of former players with a brain who have been following the organization? How would you feel about – Jason Taylor has wanted to get involved in the organization for a while. There's other guys who yeah. okay, have wanted to get involved in the organization. I have always wondered why it is that the Dolphins push all of their elite former players to community relations. Mm-hmm. Okay, and why they're not embedded. Why, why was Patrick Sertan, for instance, like – 
not a coach on this staff. He wanted to be a head coach. He was one of the best players in that of that era. Why is he going to American Heritage? Okay, and then obviously to Alabama. Mm-hmm. I've always wondered why you don't involve more of those guys in that way. They they have no problem involving guys from forty. What is it now? I'm looking at the perfect season, seventy two, forty six years, years ago. ago yeah. Okay, but the guys from fifteen, twenty years ago, they don't involve in any of that stuff. But the reason I bring up Marino is not so much because I think that's actually going to happen because I don't think it is. But I think it could. I'm going to poll it to see what fans think of it. Yeah. But I'm talking about the photo there. You have Ross sitting between yep. Marino and Tannenbaum. Tannenbaum looks like the Southwest commercial. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> what a getaway. Uh, Dan looks like Dan, – every time I've seen Dan at the stadium lately, he looks angry. Right? Yep. He, looks, he looks intense and angry. Yep. And Ross looks like – I've just made a big mistake. I mean, he's basically Anchorman, right? You know, I, yep. that milk was a bad choice. <laughs> Tannenbaum and Gase were a bad choice, okay? Yeah. Here's what I've been saying. I've been saying they need to get a new uh, – Tannenbaum needs to go. They need to get a new president of football operations. Um, they need to then – this is what I have been saying until today. Then that person needs to evaluate – Adam Gase mm-hmm. and the other and any coaching candidates. I don't. I don't even know. I don't even know if Stephen Ross will give him that much. I think. I think it might be a full house clearing because well, the one the one thing that we've gotten from images of him because he was seen as well mm. at U.S. Bank Stadium a week ago, just looking absolutely haggard and beaten down. He's it, both privately and had it leaked publicly that he has not liked some of the moves, particularly the Minka Fitzpatrick draft mm-hmm. pick. Now, that's not something you're, you get too mad about because Minka Fitzpatrick was a good player, but he, according to reports, wanted Lamar Jackson, and Alfredo was saying on Three Arts Per Carry this week that, well, if you wanted Lamar Jackson, then take Lamar Jackson, but, I mean, all the time, owners get hit with being meddlesome, and right. and owners don't like being tagged as well. You're going to get involved with, in the football operations. Don't tell me what to do, and I think, like, for example, watch Jacksonville today. I think my personal theory is that Shahid Khan, the owner of the Jags, was so in love with the team from last year that he wanted Blake Bortles to come back, and that mm-hmm. Blake Bortles is his fault, not Coughlin and Marone's fault. Mm-hmm. Like that, like that's my working theory that the owner got involved there, falling in love with the thing, and and, and put that together. And I, I think owners especially Ross, the way that he's been maligned, he probably erred on the side of, I don't want to be meddlesome because it's going to leak if I demand that uh, that Lamar Jackson be taken. It's going to get leaked out there that I was the one that did that. So I'll, I'll trust my football guys. It got this leaked one. anyway. Right, exactly. And, and I think that, in the end, in the end, he ended up probably being right on that. And I think if he hasn't been entirely convinced by what's happening, and these results have happened, I, I, I was I was genuinely curious what would have happened if the Dolphins won their last two games, they finished nine and seven, and if there's an extension at the end of it because they won two meaningless games. Because meaningless games have mm-hmm. decided things in the past. Yes. The fact that today was so soul crushing, I do think that the emotional man that is Stephen Ross who had to pay an extra hundred million for the team because uh, Wayne Heisinger charged him for winning that one in 15. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, 
Wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Miami Heat. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. ...game with Greg Camarillo that, um, that I, I do wonder if the emotional being of Stephen Ross just says, I- I'm tired of this, everyone's gone. Well, a couple things on that. Uh, the, the first thing I think, you know, when you look at it again, what I've been saying is you, you bring in a president and you let him evaluate the coach against other coaching candidates. What I would do um, in the next two days at this point is I would fire Adam Gase, and I would. It's I, the first time you've called for that. That's by the first way. time. It, it's 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 enough. Okay, this was a home game against the Jaguars. It's a fifth time under 200 yards. It's enough. All right. And, and to me, what you do is you you let Gase go. Gives you more time to figure out the coaching situation. Sure. Also, lets future GM and president candidates, and depending on what you decide to mm-hmm. do with Greer, and we need to talk about that. Yeah. But. It allows them to know they're going to get to pick a coach. And so I think you let him go. I think you can let Burke coach the last game of the defense if you want. He's a lame duck anyway. Yep. And I think you have Darren Rizzi coach the team for one game. Uh, I did get some pushback from that about that on Twitter because people are like, oh, then you're going to lose a great special teams coach because he doesn't get the head coaching job. No, you're not. Not not. You give him an opportunity. Rizzi's kind of been a lifer around coach, here, hasn't he? Yeah, he's been here a while. I, I think you let him go up to Buffalo and coach the game. You see how the players respond to him. You don't look. It's just like with Jim Bates or with Todd Bowles. Okay, and in both cases, there might have been a case to keep those guys. But with Bates, they were getting saving, mm-hmm. so it didn't matter. But but I think and Campbell and others, they've had interim coaches. But I think you see how they respond in one game. Maybe Rizzi throws his hat into the ring. All right, I actually don't think that Dolphin fans would hate that move because I, I think that the educated I, Dolphin fan, sure, uh, you know, looks at Darren Rizzi and says, well, his units have been generally effective. Mm-hmm. Like that's been the one sort of and oasis I, I, here. Right. I, no, I, I, do, I, I think Dolphin fans would not respond well to that because it's someone within the organization when you want a full break. Um, I think, again, it might, might sort of be the perception of the new guy not getting to pick his coach. But I think in general, the special teams coach as head coach is an underutilized aspect. Oh, I agree. Like, I, I almost wonder if it's a market inefficiency at this point because Harbaugh is the only one. Mm-hmm. Harbaugh was successful, and – I, I just think you get a picture – again, if we're talking about mm-hmm. you know a play caller should worry about play calling, 
mm-hmm. if you're going to bring in the offensive coordinator because Sean McVay is the genius, like to to be your your head coach, like be, because you want to corner that guy, you want to pay him more money than you pay a coordinator. Like I don't know if that's that model if, has not worked for the Dolphins. Tony I mean, Sp- Tony Sperano was an, was the offensive coordinator, play caller in Dallas before but, he came. Okay, Cam Cameron was the op- was an sure. offensive coordinator before he came. Joe Philbin wasn't even an offensive coordinator, sure, but he was an offensive he, he wasn't game calling planner. plays. Yeah, but I will say though, the one thing, the, the one counter to that is the three. A Super Bowl favorites right now yes. are the Chiefs, the Saints, and the Rams, and all of those teams employ a head coach who also calls plays. Okay, so I'm not. So two, I'm not. Two of them. Two of them are complete outliers. All right. Mm-hmm. So I, Andy Reid is a, is a genius at what he does. Agreed. It's, and not, that's been proven. Sean Payton, like him or not like him. Mm-hmm. All right. The reality is he he bonded with a quarterback in a way that the two of them are completely aligned. So I I, I don't I don't think it's I I don't to me those are exceptions rather than the rule. The reason I like the special teams content, there have been other guys. Mm-hmm. Mike Westhoff should have gotten the head coaching job here. Okay, yep. He was the best special teams coach in the league. There were players who wanted him to be the head coach. Yep. They went with Wanstatt instead. Did, sh- didn't Keith Armstrong get some support Keith, too at Keith one point? Keith Armstrong got some, Dave Taub is another yep. guy. There have been some guys who have been in the space. The reason I like the idea of a special teams coach as a head coach is because the special teams coach has to know every player on the roster. Correct. They are used to building up guys and getting more out of them than you're accustomed to getting out of them because a lot of them are fringe NFL players that they have to find a role for. It requires you to be creative. It's not the same as Gase taking a player who is talented like Kenyon Drake and picking apart the things he can't do to make sure that he doesn't get touches, okay? Special teams coaches, it's the opposite. They're finding guys and they're figuring out ways to make them work. They are, you know, the Rodney Magruder developers of the NFL, okay? They, They maximize talent. And so that's one reason I like it. The other reason I like it is they're not on the field most of the time. Sure. So it's not like with Gase where he's he's worried about the offense entirely when they're on the field, and mm-hmm. then he needs to spend the time that the defense and the special sure. teams are on the field to prepare for the offense. And like Rizzi, I mean, he's already in charge of challenges and timeouts. Like, which by the way right. is the thing that is most associated with head coaching. And by the way, we were earlier uh, earlier in the year trying to figure out why doesn't Gase get criticized. That's another one. He doesn't have uh, timeout and challenge. You know, he's not even doing because it. he's not doing it right. Exactly. But that's but that's the like ninety percent of coaching criticism is down to those two things and. The, the Dolphins have a guy who's in charge of it. And by the way, are the Dolphins bad at clock management? Are the Dolphins bad with challenges? Like, we haven't really had that many instances where you're seeing clearly the Dolphins are struggling in that area. Rizzi, they had a couple of kicks blocked, right? Mm-hmm. Other than that. Today they missed a field goal. Today they missed one field goal. With, with a guy, again, we thought they had a kicking problem potentially yeah. before the season. Right. The kicker's been good. Uh, they, they consistently have turned over kickers. The The punter has been good. Jakeem Grant was really good when he yeah. was healthy. Okay, they've and gone again, through different a, returns. Again, that's a six-round find. The six-round find, and, and, and they've been good on coverage. I'm not saying he's necessarily a long-term answer. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying – Give it a thought. I, give it. I don't understand why some Dolphin fans got so attached – to Adam Gase when all you had to look at was the quarterback that he was working with before. The primary quarterback is one of the five greatest quarterbacks of all time, and yet people held it against Philbin that he was basically, they thought, like a pencil pusher for Aaron Rodgers, but they weren't holding it against Gase that he was working mm-hmm. with Manning. And I don't know, and, the, and this idea, it was funny today because CBS put up, you know, Ryan Tannehill 11-1 and in his last 12 at home, and then the next play was the interception. Really? Okay. So <laughs> so what, Ga- what Gase got credit for was the way Tannehill was playing before. Now, Tannehill has not 
progressed since. Now, we can say it's the shoulder. We can say it's the ankle. We can say it's the knee. We can say it's a lot of different things. Or we can say he's just the same guy he's always been. Right. It just it just clearly hasn't worked. But what I hold Gase accountable for is, you know, again, if you're going to say you didn't have your quarterback, I'm going to say, well, you decided that Brock Osweiler was your best ba- option as a backup. So I, I and, and like you've said before, they were, what, two and three with Osweiler. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, so now they're 500 with Tannehill, right, yeah. this year. So that's what they are. Um, but my, my thing on, on Rizzi is I would make him the head coach now uh, for one week, and then you, he throws his name in the mix. And yeah. I will bet you that there will be players on this team that they like who will probably push for him in the offseason. That doesn't mean you have to keep him. Yeah. It just means he's a candidate. I don't know what Adam Gase has done to make himself more equipped to be the head coach of this team than what Darren Rizzi has done. I don't know what Agreed. that I don't know what that one thing is, and so that's the direction I would go. Now, what do I? Now let's get to Greer. Sure, because I've had a hard time separating this. I mean, Tannenbaum to me, I mean Tannenbaum's two primary jobs before he got the Dolphins job were one he was a cap specialist for Parcells, yep. not not a talent scout, cap specialist. Sure, okay, and and second thing was to be a sports agent. Mm-hmm. Those are the two things he did. So those two things you would think would be good um, attributes to have to get free agents, right? You're an agent. You know how to deal with players. You're a cap specialist. You know how to fit them in. (laughs) Right, right. You know how to deal with (laughs) agents, right? So I understood to a certain degree what Ross saw there. But to have him as the lead talent evaluator never made a lot of sense to me. Now, Greer is another story. The thing about the Dolphins drafts that's really hard to figure out is they either really hit or really miss. Yeah. There's not a lot in between. Not a I'm, lot of league average starters the, out of that mix. No, it's uh, uh, you know you have Tunsil who looks like an elite left tackle. You have Fitzpatrick, which whatever we want to say about the quarterback, you and I both thought they should trade up and take a quarterback. So this is not revisionist history, mm-hmm. or even take Lamar Jackson, trade down and take right. a quarterback. We both said it on draft night. On I mean, draft jo- night, like jo- like Josh Rosen sitting at ten, like go get him, go get him, go get him. So so basically that's what we were suggesting, but. They didn't do it, whatever. They took Fitzpatrick. He's a very good player. Sure. I don't have an issue with that. They took Baker in the third round. He looks mm-hmm. like a good player. Tunsil's a really good player. Um, and Xavier Howard, obviously, not yep. available today, is a really, really good player. Kalen Balazs is a promising start. I like what I see from Kalen Balazs. So there's been some good picks. There's also been the ones that, if I were Ross, I would want to get to the bottom of. Yeah. Okay? Jordan Phillips, Devontae Parker. Now, Devontae Parker predates a little bit because yep. Hickey was still here. Sure. Um Charles Harris had a sack today. He's done nothing the whole yeah. season. Mike Gesicki has Mike Asicki does not look has, like an NFL player. He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't yeah. look like an NFL starter for sure. And, so, I, and I, I bought the hype on that one because it's, athle- it's athleticism. It's what the Dolphins have needed. Yep. And uh, by the way, that's if you want to hold another thing against Adam Gase, the complete failure to get anything out of the tight end position has been a recurring theme for three years now. And it's, right. it, it, it dates back to Charles Clay since he left. They've got nothing out of that position. Nothing. No, I mean, well, Jordan Cameron was concussion. Julius Thomas was old. Old. And, yeah, just not very effective at that point. But I, so with Greer, it's hard for me to – one of the things that's hard to evaluate is he's been here so long – in mm-hmm. so many different roles. The Dolphins have not had success in the macro, and yet when you talk to people in the micro, they like him. But I think that Ross has to basically pick one person, okay? And to me, the person's not in the organization. Sure. He has to pick one person. Now, the guy that I would go get is George Payton. Mm-hmm. Um, and, Tell us about him. And so, you know, I was here. I covered the Dolphins in the early 2000s, uh, I was there every day. The Wanstad teams, the Spielman teams. George Payton was Rick Spielman's number two. Uh, Rick, he came with he came with Rick. They're very close. Now, Rick's tenure is you know there's some revisionist history here too. But I'm going to try to 
clarify because I I don't think you can evaluate George Payton without evaluating Rick Spielman. And I was in Rick Spielman's office, okay? I saw his draft notes on various players because what happens here is when things start to go bad in an organization, everybody kind of picks a reporter. And so the Wanstat years, like, there were, like, a bunch of coaches and executives and the head coach, and all of them had a reporter, okay, that they would deal with. In some cases, some reporters, like, you know, I had a couple of people, okay, in the organization that kind of gave their point of view. But I wanted to see things on paper. And so I did see. I saw what Spielman's draft notes were on Fletcher and Breeze. I saw what Spielman's draft notes were uh, on – on Moore, Reddy Moore, mm-hmm. and Anquan Bolden, which are two of the worst draft decisions that the Dolphins have ever made. Yep. I know what the grades were. I know um, what happened in those draft rooms where basically his grades were overruled by the head coach, okay, and by other coaches on the staff who were aligned with the head coach. And those two decisions, they paid for those two decisions. If you have Drew Brees and Anquan Bolden, <laughs> <laughs> you 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 you, ha- you have a pretty good two thousand. I mean, it's it's still being coached by Dave Wanstead, but yeah. And you j- also you also had Jason Taylor and Zach Thomas yeah. and Pat Sertan and Sam oh, Madison. God. You would have been all right. Um, and so I have always been more of a believer in Rick than others. Um, mm-hmm. I also know what went into two thousand four when he made the decision to trade for AJ Feely. You know, people don't like that decision in retrospect. I understand it. Feely was 4-1 and one with Philadelphia. They got fooled a little bit by the Andy Reid thing. Yeah. And that played into it. But I know – I understood what went into that, and I understood what went into uh, the trade for Lamar Gordon, which was desperation. Your best player, the center of your offense, your coach will only run the ball – and you need to find a back. And here was a back who had been a number two back who looked like he was emerging. And so they made a decision. We're going to trade a third-round pick for Lamar Gordon. Didn't work out. Okay, but I understood. Rick was under the gun. So I've always been more of a believer in Rick than others. And I think Rick's track record in Minnesota. No, they haven't won a Super Bowl. They've drafted a lot of good players. Their roster is exceptional. Their like, roster is like, really you just, good. You go back to last week, mm-hmm. and you just see the disparity in talent between the Dolphins and, and the Vikings all over the field. Yep. The one thing, though, I will hold against them is that they went for Keenum, Bridgewater, and and all these different guys last year. And this year they went for Cousins. They like Minnesota is being held back by their decisions at quarterback. Well, and that's obviously you know we're talking about Tannenbaum, mm-hmm. Gase, Greer. Tannehill is the other one. That's like the fourth tenant of this franchise right. that might all be gone in the space of a few weeks. But I but and I understand that. And look, you got to get the quarterback right. And so it's it's disingenuous for me to say, well, the Dolphins didn't get the quarterback right, and that's their fault, and it's not Spielman's fault that he hasn't gotten the quarterback right. He's made big moves though. They went after Favre. They've tried. Okay, yep. the Dolphins have not tried. They've tried. So I am a believer generally in Spielman, okay? And I think, as it turned out, the organization would have been better off if he'd stuck around. He and Saban hardly spoke to each other the year they were together, and so it's hard to evaluate that. Peyton was his number two. Peyton handled a lot of the pro stuff. I just always found him to be a very sharp guy. Mm -hmm. He is one of those people who's been talked about for a long time as someone who should be running an organization. And Jason Luckenford linked him with the job today uh, of CBS Sports. That's a second national reporter who has. He has not interviewed for big jobs, but he has said this. He's made it clear to people that this Mm -hmm. year he will. Sure. He knows the organization. Uh, To me, you make that move, and then we were looking at it because I think you allow him to pick a coach, and the coach on their staff that I would look at is George Edwards. George Edwards is familiar to the Dolphin organization. The players loved him, okay? Uh, he's in his early 50s, so he's not he's not over the hill, but yep. he's also not, like, you know, 
straight out of grade school like you know we've seen here recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has some experience. Uh, he's a defensive coach. I think the Dolphins have gotten too hung up on making sure they get an offensive coach. Neither of their units are good. Okay, right. Get a guy who can lead a team, All right, who the players are going to respect. To me, I would look at – and Payton can choose whoever he wants, but that is a direction I would look at is Payton with George mm-hmm. Edwards, and you make a decision if you want to keep Greer or you don't want to keep Greer. Um, and again, you interview Rizzi, you interview other coaching candidates. The other thing I want to shoot down, and you know, I, we don't want to dwell too long on this particular podcast. The other thing I want to shoot down is this idea that well, there aren't any good coaching candidates out there. We hear that all the time. The reality is, people don't really know if somebody's a good head coach until they're. Would, a good would head anyone coach. have thought that Sean McVay, the no. offensive coordinator under Jay Gruden, was going to be the no. the coaching genius that solved football? Like, get out of here with that! Right? Like uh, you. You can say, I mean, there are 32 coordinators of every team. There's college that mm-hmm. you can pull from. Like, there's any number of ideas. That, that I mean, I, I, I don't agree with that. I think you try, and, and I will say, though, the last time they did a coaching search, uh, Simon was reading out uh, all, all the all the candidates they pulled in. It was like, oof. The, like, oh. they, they avoided disaster with, like, three of them. Oh, no, and, and there are a lot yeah. of them. Look, I mean, they loved Marone, uh, right? Yeah. So, I mean, they're, they're, they've liked, look. Uh, Ross has liked a lot of coaching candidates who didn't make sense. Um, mm-hmm. un- unfortunately, there were coaching candidates they've interviewed, like a Mike Tomlin over sure. the years, that that others in the organization didn't they think made sense. But I, I think you know, to me, where you're at right now, and and I'll do something after. I know you're going on vacation. I'll, I'll do something after the Bills game next week to wrap the whole thing up. But to me, where you're at, uh, I mean, the look on Steve Ross's face today. Yeah. And the other thing I want to make clear while we're still standing in the stadium. Those are the loudest boos I've heard since Joe Philbin was the coach. They have this, and, and it was. I, I, remember, I remember at points last year, particularly with Jay Cutler, when Jay Cutler was quarterbacking, there was "We want Moors," and whenever they went three and out, there were some pretty loud ones. But yeah, the the one at the end, and it was it was kind of a weird one, right? It was uh, in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. They just handed the ball off up the middle on second down, and they got two yards. And, yeah, it was and, a and, second and, down, right? It, it was it was bizarre. It was bizarre timing, but you're right. I mean, the boos were unbelievably. But loud. I felt like last year it was a boo because you wanted somebody else. Correct. So it was about Cutler and Moore. This was just voicing disapproval. This was about Adam Case. Yeah. Yeah. Last year it wasn't about Adam Gase. And about La- everything. It was just, about everything, general, but yeah. it's about Gase and Tannehill. Yeah. Last year it was an understanding of, okay, it's not Gase's fault. Like, I didn't pin anything on Gase last year. Mm-hmm. Even the decision to bring in Cutler for $10 million, which backfired on them. Look, you lost your starting quarterback a few days before And you tried to fix season. it. You tried. You, tra- you, tr- you did what you, you could. You talk about not trying. Ka- like- Kaepernick would have been my choice. This yeah. owner wasn't going to bring Kaepernick in and defy his buddy in the White House. Okay, that's fine. But the reality is, uh, you it's know. More, it's more like this. I, I think I think Ross would have done it. I don't think the coach would have done it. I don't, I don't, think, I don't think Gase would have run it. I would Kaepernick. like to find out at some sure. point which of the two of them it was. Yeah. Because uh, there's been different different stories on that, but I, I wasn't blaming him for last year. And sure. I, look, and I wasn't killing him for obviously the first season when he lost Tannehill after 13 games. But it is what it is at this point. This is not good enough. Mm-hmm. Hey, this is Parrish from the Light Skin Opinions podcast. And if you haven't been listening to our show, you've been missing stuff like this. Better, uh, better, super light skin or white buddy on your team. Tyler Johnson, right, or 
the little dude who played backup point guard for, for the Sixers. <laughs> What's his name? Uh, McConnell? Yes. Nah, I, I, I'll McConnell. go with Tyler Johnson. Yeah, he's in, yeah, yeah. John, I got I'm you. taking McConnell. Really? Hell yeah, McConnell's nah. strong, dog. And he look he look like one of them alt-right dudes. He look like it, but he's strong. He don't yeah, turn maybe. the ball over. I don't like Johnson, but I don't really like McConnell either. But you put the ball in McConnell's hands, he comes off the bench for Philly, and he handles their whole team when he's in the game. Like, it runs through him. He's the he's the legit I can't PG. rock with that haircut, man. Oh, y'all some haters on the on, even on though the TJ, even though TJ got some fucked up haircuts too. TJ got bad teeth and everything. He look like yeah, a, he look like an Amish hoodlum. I want to change my vote. I'm going McConnell. Yeah, let's go McConnell. Hey. Join me, Alf, and Chris every week on the Light Skinned Opinions podcast, only on the Five Reasons Sports Network. So best guess, right? We we just talk, we talked about four figures: mm-hmm. Tannenbaum, Greer, Gase, and Tannehill. How many of those four are back? Tannenbaum will not be back. Okay, I think he figures out a way to keep Greer. Maybe mm-hmm. it's in another capacity. Maybe sort it's, of, it's, it's a demotion back to some of his old work, perhaps, and then maybe he leaves after a year. Yeah. Um, I thought he was going to keep Gase until today. Yeah. I think today is too much, and the, the fourth one, Tannehill. I mean, I think that's a conversation that you need to have with whoever the new team president is. What yep. do you think of this guy? The problem at the quarterback position is they squandered the year that they needed to do it. The year to do it was last offseason yep. when you had five quarterbacks in the first round yep. and you were in the 11 spot, so you had the means or to even, go or up even, or even once Tannehill gets hurt, just go the year with Matt Moore. Just go the year go with Go three Moore. and 13 and draft one of the guys that, yeah, ever, that everyone has But they put now. themselves in a position where it's going to be I mean, very Dar- hard Dar- to move up. Darnold was exceptional today. Darnold was uh, like 350 yards and three touchdowns well, today these guys the are, these guys are getting experience now. Yeah. And and so uh, that's the to me there's a big problem is that you squandered the year to do it, and now the only option out there is Teddy Bridgewater, and I would be happy or, for him or to Joe, come or back. Joe Flacco's corpse, right? Yeah. And I don't know that that's that's not better. And and so, you know, you bring in Bridgewater, it's a it's a better story. Mm-hmm. I think it's been one of those you know absence makes the heart grow fonder things with Teddy. Like he wasn't playing at that high a no. level for Minnesota, but if you want to bring him in as a bridge, you draft a guy in the fourth round. I will say. Sixty percent chance Tannehill mm-hmm. is not back. Okay, but that's I think where. So, we're so, at. You, so you think Greer back in a different capacity, and then Tannenbaum and Gase gone. Yes. Okay. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say everyone's gone. I I, I really do. I think Tannehill's gonna go, mm-hmm. and I, I think maybe they draft real Greer. Will Greer? I think mm-hmm. uh, they bring in some veteran that starts the first three games, and you put the rookie in. Like if they don't, I I think I think Ross is fed up. He's visually fed up. And I just don't know who in this organization is going to talk him out of it unless Marino does, because Marino's the only one with the cachet to do it. And I think Marino is probably just as fed up as he is. So, so Dan, Dan Marino threw for more yards in quarters. <laughs> Dan Marino threw for more yards in quarters yeah. than the Dolphins have gained yeah. in five yeah. games Three of their last rushing four. and passing yeah. this season. You think Dan Marino looked at that shit today It was good with it? <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Fire in the Podcast. Thank you so much.